0: Right, everybody, welcome to episode number 47 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio, I'm one of your co-hosts, one of the creatures of the night and I am joined as always by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, Mr. Sniffles
1: over there, (laughs) Mr. Travis Dwight. I can't kick out, I can't kick out. I can't kick out these sniffles, man. East Tennessee's got me down. Well,
0: <laughs> I got something that's going to lift you up, man. I, I, I've got some good news for you, Travis.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm ready.
0: Travis, you are not the father.
1: Oh, well, thank God.
0: <laughs> good news for you.
1: Good news, good news. I am a father. You are a father. Of, of three, yeah, but not the father of this one, huh? So.
0: Not the father of this one, Uh we're going to get into some DNA issues, some, uh, some, a scenario that really could have used the help of uh, Mori Povich here Ma- on this talking yeah. taker. Uh, that's going to be a huge part of this episode, but more importantly, we are going to get into the Undertaker's matchup at King of the Ring 1998, the Undertaker versus Mankind in a sort of famous matchup. You might have heard about it. Yeah, just celebrated its 20th anniversary. Maybe the most famous matchup of the Attitude Era. Maybe the most famous uh, in WWF history. Certainly in the top 10, top 5, without a doubt, The Undertaker versus Mankind in the Hell in a Cell. Wow, it is an insane match, and you know it's been talked about really to death. It's been analyzed to death. It's been on so many DVDs and video packages. Nick Foley's and, and it's done a whole tour across the country, yeah, giving his story year. about it, talking about his books. And we weren't there; we weren't backstage. We don't have a lot of that sort of analysis to offer. So, to discuss a match, you know, a lot of the matches we've discussed are not super overanalyzed, but uh, this one probably <clears throat> is. So, to do something a little bit different, a little bit later on in the show, we are going to give a watch-along live commentary for this episode, sort of like we did for the Royal Rumble 1997 match. We're going to do that. We'll give you the timestamp. We'll tell you when to queue it up on your WWE network, and you can watch it along with us as we give our live analysis of what it's like to be a fan watching that match, just like we all are. So we'll do that a little bit later on. We will go into our breakdown and try to hit the highlights of the buildup to this match and everything going on with The Undertaker since we last left off with Unforgiven 1998. If you don't watch it along with us, you can still enjoy it, uh, just like you could with that last episode, I think. But it'll be really fun if you queue it up along with us. But hang tight. We'll give you that timestamp. We'll tell you when to come in. First of all, we're just going to dive headfirst into everything going on with The Undertaker here. And uh, we last left off with the Inferno match. Uh, Unforgiven 1998. The Undertaker defeated Kane and got his second victory over him. And he's going to roll in to building up to where he's going next by a huge matchup against none other than Barry Windham, <laughs> right? <laughs> the
1: stalker. No, at this point, he's NWA Barry Windham. Oh, isn't he?
0: man. Yeah, he's going to send In- him right <laughs> out of the World Wrestling Federation right here, pretty much. I think he
1: does, yeah, pretty much. Uh, this is Raw 257, not after the Inferno match. Yeah, and it's, you think they'd follow up on this... Uh, you know, big, huge angle and this huge win um, with something a little more spectacular. But, yeah, he pretty much comes out and Undertaker squashes Barry Windham in under a minute. I think it was 44 seconds. So it was a little bit less than the John Cena match at WrestleMania yeah. 2018. And another but, um, time
0: and place, that would have been a dream matchup, too. I shame. was
1: thinking that. You yeah. know, Barry Windham's talked about so, like, highly as regards to his um his in-ring style and just how smooth he is in the ring, and and you know, some of us remember him as a West Texas Texas redneck guy, but he was really a fantastic wrestler. He really is. And so, yeah, in another time, another day, another moment, this would have been a dream match. But here it's just a freaking squash, chokeslam, tombstone, one, two, three, it's over. Um, But the business really picks up after that.
0: Well, yeah, just real quick before we jump into that, I just want to say something I've been meaning to say on the past couple episodes. This is actually The Undertaker's first match on television since 1997. This match right here that takes place on the Raw after Unforgiven 1998. That's the first time Undertaker's wrestled on Raw in 1998, which is crazy to think about. All he's been doing is cutting promos and, and interacting with Kane and Paul Bearer. And I just wanted to raise that point, you know, real quick. We don't have to dig super deep into it, but no, but yeah, it just goes to show how effective that can be by having, you know, a lot of these guys. Stone Cold doesn't wrestle on TV every week, Kane doesn't wrestle on TV every week. And I, I realized that, you know, they have three hours to fill nowadays and, you know, a lot more going on, but man, it really makes Undertaker feel special when, you know, he hasn't wrestled on TV in four months. you got to put your money down to see a guy like him wrestle and he's going to wrestle a couple more times in this build up but man just kind of crazy to think about
1: it really is man and you know i know you said that they had three hours of raw and nitro's three hours and the main event guys weren't wrestling every night either Hmm. though you know so like it's weird like um yeah, nowadays, everything's just overexposed, and you get these wonderful matches that go on for 25 minutes, but they don't mean anything, you know? But, um, yeah, it's amazing. I didn't even po- realize that until you pointed that out, man. He didn't wrestle <laughs> for four months on the yeah. ball, you know? And this is and they're beating the WCW at this point, you know, like in ratings, like how crazy, you know? And his first match is 44 seconds, and he beats Barry Windham, you know? What a great way to make a paycheck, honestly. <laughs> Well, he's earned it.
0: He, he has. It. And they're beating WCW because of storytelling. And the yep. Undertaker Kane story, like you just said, is going to take a huge turn right here. What happens after this match?
1: Oh, okay. So, yeah, after this match, it, we got um, Undertaker calling out Kane on the mic. And he's like, last night, you looked into the eyes of the dragon and you got burned. And first of all, now he's the dragon. Another so, new nickname. Yeah, another new. We got so many nicknames. So many. One day we'll have to tally these all up. So, but um, <laughs> he tells Kane that last night was only the beginning, and he asks him, or not asking he tells him to come out and let's finish it. He said, "I'm not moving." He, excuse me, I'm not moving until you come out here, Kane. So basically, demanding his brother comes out. Uh, let's finish this, and uh, I have. He said, "I have an, in- an eternity to wait for you," and so at this point, um, I think we go to commercial break, and after that yep. we come back, and this is. You know, we thought Paul Bear turning on Undertaker was a bombshell. You know, talked about how it's kind of like, you know, Empire Strikes Back moment and and everything. Um, speaking of Empire Strikes Back, Luke, I'm your father. Um, here we go. We're going to have this kind of bombshell. <laughs> this could be the Empire Strikes Back moment right here. I didn't even think about that. But um, we come back and Paul Bearer delivers, delivers some 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 information here. It's going to take some Mari Povich to get to the bottom of.
0: He just blurts out. don't you understand, Undertaker? Last night it was my son whose hand was on fire, implying that that Kane is his son. And then we cut the commercial again. It just goes away and we end on that bombshell and it just he just blurts it out and it's this whole thing. And I honestly I thought the revelation happened. What we're going to talk about, what happened next week on Raw, and a very right. famous scene. I didn't realize that he admitted that Kane was his son right here, right then. Which just, like you said, I mean, it it blows this whole story up. It, it takes it to a different, a different world.
1: Yeah, a, a whole new world, if you will. Uh, and like I will. I'm. Yeah, of course you will. Because last week, you know, you talked about the soap opera. I mean, this soap opera has yes. now yes. gone to new heights. And it gives more reason for the kane Undertaker story to continue, you know, because technically he's beaten him twice, you know. Well, technically three times, as we mentioned last week, talking about Ma- Manchester and Mayhem. Um, or excuse me, Mayhem and Manchester. It's late, guys. But uh, uh, <laughs> anyway, but, uh, you know, this soap opera is now at new heights here, you know. What a crazy thing. But, yeah, it's going to prolong this this feud. You know, but also you know, some take some twists and turns here as we go. Oh, lots of crazy, a, it, crazy goings on here. It
0: takes a twist and turn the next week in a very famous segment. Uh We are on Raw. What is this? May two fifty-eight. Oh yeah, yeah. May May fourth. Yeah. May the fourth be with you. Star Wars. There you go. That, see? Look at that. <laughs> it, it all comes together, man. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, uh, Jerry Lawler is backstage supposed to interview Paul Bear, and I remember this so vividly, man. Watching this live back in 1998, he's supposed to interview Paul Bear, and they throw a commercial. Paul Bear and Jerry Lawler do. All of a sudden, the camera gets set down, sort of on its side, and the way that they shoot it makes it look like the cameraman accidentally left the camera rolling. And we see Paul Bear and Jerry Lawler continuing to talk to each other, and make small talk with each other. I literally thought I thought this was a shoot watching this live, <laughs> man. Uh, for Isn't a that awesome? yeah, yeah. Once they start really getting into it, I realize this is part of the angle. This is part of the storyline. Right. <laughs> but at first, I was just, oh my god, these guys are out of character. Something's going on. Yeah. here. it's just so expertly well done. Um, And Jerry Lawler and Paul Bearer play it off incredibly as they go into some very, uh, very locker room talk, (laughs) very much, uh, Uh. very, not profane, but uh, a little bit here. A little bit. As Jerry tries to egg on Paul Bearer to tell him a little bit more about what happened that night at the funeral home where he slept (laughs) with the Undertaker's mother. Tell me about what I mean, what are you gonna
2: tell everybody about Kane? What is what's the deal? I told everybody you heard what I told him. I tell the whole world he's my son. He is my son, Jerry. Is that simple? Come on. So you're telling he's me he's my
0: son! I cannot. I mean you're telling me. You don't believe no, me? No, you're telling me you
2: nailed the Undertaker's mother.
0: Well? I nailed nailed? Yeah. Well? No.
2: Okay. Tell me. Well, how can I trust you? I'm telling
1: I'll tell nobody. <sighs> Yeah, he did. I think it's funny that Paul Berry decides to confide in Jerry Lawler. He says, "Well, oh, don't worry, I won't tell anyone." Of course, He's like, oh, but yeah, Paul Paul Bearer proceeds to tell how he was 19, you know, when he was coming back from the wrestling matches. I like that he said that he and his friends would go to the wrestling Tuesday, matches and come that's what he said. every Tuesday. Yep, yeah, and he'd come back and he come basically claims that she seduced him from you know the get go and his uh,
0: virginity. Uh, and Jerry Lawler says. What on the embalming table? And Paul Bear laughs. And says, no, is on, on the kitchen God floor. Me. And Jerry Lawler gets off one of the lines of the podcast that we've had, asking Paul Bear if he slipped the salami to Paul Bear's
1: <laughs> Yikes!
0: Paul said, "You know he wasn't uh, fat back then. You know he was—he was a studly kind of looking I guy." I liked it. And King says, "Did you really bury your baloney in the?" <laughs> the Undertaker's mother. He just has the puns at the ready, dude.
1: Oh, he's ready. Yeah, absolutely. He is. And, uh, man, yeah, he Paul go, <laughs> goes on to talk about some noises they were making and stuff like that, and then he hears little feet above his head, which um, if you're me, you think they're bats because that's what you got in your attic still. But right. anyway, um, he hears ba- – he <laughs> not bats. He hears some feet coming down the steps, and he says, it's a good thing that I stopped because uh, – it was or so... Um, he would see his mother with one leg in New York and the other in L.A. Oh, my word. And <laughs> at that moment, as it should, the camera all of a sudden cuts off. Yeah, it's too bad. So, it's too bad. <laughs> is it too bad? <laughs> I, oh, I've but been this, this segment forever. <laughs> it's... Um, but, man, I cannot, I cannot put over the execution of this segment. It is absolutely unique at this time it is. you know later on we see stuff like gtv and, and, yeah. and wcw mayor yeah. buff bagwell and kidman used to carry the like camcorders around backstage and you see stuff but like this is just so it explains why the camera is there and why yeah. the camera is on because we yes. come back from commercial and jerry lawler is very very um what's the word like Apologetic, somber. somber yeah very yeah he's very somber and he's uh, you know ladies and gentlemen i need to apologize for what you just saw them you know, what just air wasn't supposed to air and um, I apologize if it offended anyone, which I'm sure it did. So <laughs> <laughs> it offends my ears. But uh yeah, it's um man, like the, that execution is absolutely amazing. I just I love that. It was oh, yeah. so good. That's Russo all and over like, again for all the bad that. stuff. Yep. yep. For the stuff like, you know, meat and beaver cleavage you got, man, you got this and this is Russo at his finest. So good.
0: So obviously hearing all this hearing this talked about in such vivid detail has upset the undertaker has you know just pissed him off very much so the next week on Raw he uh, tries to get revenge on the king he attacks the king comes out out of nowhere from out of the crowd while the king and JR are talking about Barkamero and Sable and he beats the crap out of Jerry the King Lawler uh, as he yeah backpedals and says this was this wasn't his fault all this sort of stuff gets into some more business with with paul bear and kane and paul bear says ne- uh, that he's going to prove after all of this that he's going to be kane's father which leads us to another ridiculous segment next week where paul bear and kane go get a dna test
1: yeah so yeah we're on raw 260 here this is may may 18th and yeah so we the show show opens up of this footage um outside of a a, um i guess a A medical medical lab yeah, yeah medical facility a lab in nashville i'm sure i drove past this when i lived there for five years so i did not see a giant man with a windbreaker and a black ski mask on them, because, like, ladies and gentlemen, when you see when you see the monster Kane, you think when he's out of this wrestling ring, he's wearing a black ski mask and a purple windbreaker. Oh, oh my, It's his casual outfit. <laughs> casual Monday. <laughs> he looks awful. I couldn't think of anything better to do than that. So, but yeah, <laughs> why wouldn't he we just got wear a chain mask? I know. Does he wear well, a ski mask over his head? He must have, and because later on, I want when we talk about something else that happens at Paul Bearer's house when he's looking a little casual, uh, I want to talk about Kane's nice. mask there too. <laughs> okay. But um, yeah, but yeah, this is the uh, they they use the term medical facility, and that's the debut of that word here on Talk and Taker. I don't know if it's uh, debuted on actual RAW or anything, but I remember when we were talking about um. The Bret Hart matches and stuff. They said they said hospital over and over again. So yeah, that's yeah. the debut of that word here, medical facility, and you will hear it twenty years later nowadays. They never say hospital. So but uh yeah, so Paul Bear and Kane are both getting their blood drawn, and uh <laughs> Paul Bear says, I'm gonna show people I'm Kane's daddy. <laughs> He's so excited <laughs> he about it. He's, like, He's a proud papa. <laughs> so happy. He is, he is. Can't blame him, you know. Yeah, we've got a doctor
0: in the ring, Doctor Charles Woolsey. Allegedly, that says oh, I'll,
1: I'll put a picture of him on social media. Don't you worry. <laughs> I got a snapshot of him already. Well, you, me, he lets us know that beyond a shadow of a doubt,
2: without any uncertainty, after exhausting all of our analytical methods in determining fatherhood, Paul Bear is the biological father of Cain. What I
0: tell you of Cain, so. Sure. Kane and Bear immediately come out, just ecstatic about all of
1: this. Paul Bear says well, – oh, go ahead. The, they should have come out and – I mean, I know they're happy with the news, but this guy should have his medical license revoked. <laughs> he violated HIPAA laws on national television. Just, you know, patient, doctor, confidentiality. He just spewed this on TV. So, I wow. mean, come on.
0: You know doctors in wrestling they don't have the greatest yeah.
1: reputation. <laughs> That's true. and Well, yeah, Not exactly. I see a but, yeah. about that. Hey-o. Um, yeah, Hey here comes Kane and Paul Bear and yeah like you said proud papa so
0: he says uh, Paul Bear says I'm not the little boy who cried wolf I'm the fat man that tells the truth
1: <laughs> was that supposed to rhyme or something I, I think just, so I, I love the way it, he I love said it
0: it. it it sounded like it rhymed
1: <laughs> oh yeah because I think he said I'm not the <laughs> yeah I'm not the boy who howled wolf so, I'm not <laughs> the boy who howled wolf I'm like what I had to rewind it and see what he said
0: well uh, that um, you know Paul Bearer goes on to call Undertaker's mother a a, a two-bit...
1: Well,
0: you know, and uh, that brings Undertaker out, of course. Uh, Him and and Kane getting a pull-apart brawl again, which actually leads Vader out. Because all this time, you would think (laughs) we'd be building up to another Undertaker and Kane match for the third time. Nope. Undertaker, excuse me, Kane's going to be facing Vader, uh, who interfered in the Inferno match... They're going to be facing each other at Over the Edge, which is the May pay-per-view, in, of all things, a mask versus mask match with their loser must unmask, which, you know, I don't know, Travis. I've watched a lot of Vader matches, and I think in about 75% of them, I've seen his mask come off <laughs> in those yeah. I don't really know. I've never understood what this... Stipulation in this match was why it was supposed to be such a big deal. Why? Oh my uh, God! We're gonna see Vader unmask. You could already see half his face through the mask, anyway.
1: <laughs> if I took a shoestring right now and wrapped it around my head, I would be wearing Vader's mask. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be wondering what I look like. Right. You know, like exactly. Yeah, everyone knows what he looks like. Yeah, he takes his mask off all the time, but they had to try something. You know, put some stakes. Like we've been talking about, when there are stakes in the match it makes the match even better, you know? Sure. And there are stakes on that match, and, you know, uh, but I guess they were trying, but it doesn't matter because it doesn't last anyway. <laughs> no. Nothing, at this point in, in WWF history, any stipulation they make doesn't matter, you know? <laughs> uh, well, as we get to this stuff here, you know, they say this is going to happen if so-and-so loses. It doesn't matter. They'll bring him back the next week, so whatever. Yeah. But, um. So yeah, I just wanted to say, though, when, when Undertaker comes out here and he starts attacking um you know once his once his mom gets called a two-bit you know what um he rushes the ring he's just got he's full of intensity man yeah. like you know you think it's a shoot honestly yeah. same way i'd react if someone called my mom that you know um comes out and he slams kane and kane chokeslams slams him back and um chokes him on the ground and like i said like i said vader vader comes out and uh T- taker finally gives you know gets uh Chases Paul Bear uh, to the back, I think, and then Kane retreats up the ramp and chases him. So, but the crowd just loves seeing Paul Bear get his butt handed to him. You know, um, it's and it's deserved. It, you know, you're saying this stuff about someone's mom, dude. Like, and you know, rubbing it in his face that you slept with his mom. So it's like, are you serious? Like, as if we didn't hate you already for you know turning on Taker two years ago. Here you go, man. Like this is icing on top. You know, you're despicable.
0: <laughs> the only fight I ever got in in school was in the second grade when a kid <laughs> said. To me that your mama is so fat, she sat on a rainbow and made Skittles, and I punched him in the face. <laughs> and then when I went to the principal's office, I told him what happened, and he said, well, I understand, and uh, just, <laughs> I didn't get in trouble for it. So yeah, I mean, I'm right there with the Undertaker, shaker, man. I'm right there with him. Understood. Uh,
1: somebody call my mama. Solidarity.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but what is happening with the undertaker at over the edge let's find out on the next week may 25th Raw 261 tell us uh how we find out what undertaker's role is going to be at that pay-per-view
1: so i believe this is episode where doesn't austin have Vince man arrested at the right. beginning of this one yeah so austin's got vince arrested you know they've Austin's been arrested, now he's getting Vince arrested, and Austin is allowed to, or excuse me, Vince is allowed to get out of his arrest, I guess, if he um, allows a special enforcer during the world title match. Because the title match is supposed to be Austin versus Dude Love at Over the Edge. and so um, With Vince, Vince that,
0: McMahon's going to be the referee for it, Pat Patterson's right. going to be the ring announcer, Gerald Briscoe's going to be the timekeeper. They're building it up like Austin's just guaranteed to get screwed over
1: here yeah exactly and vince is acting all cocky he's like it's okay you know you can have a special enforcer because nobody intimidates me you know um i'm not intimidated by anybody so um it's just crazy uh because i think um during this is when uh the main event of the of this actual episode of raw 261 is undertaker versus austin supposed to be on this match but uh vince is a special referee for this match uh, on raw and he's showboating and flexing and man that dude is Ripped. He I forgot was. how big Vince yeah. is. He's like fifty-two years old here. He looks amazing, but um, but you know, Taker takes exception to all this showboating and just winds up choke slamming Vince to a pop. So here we're we're starting this um, a lot of stuff happening here that's going to affect the rest of the, the remainder of the calendar year. Yeah,
0: I mean, this is the first time Undertaker's ever had any interaction with Vince McMahon on this level. First time he's ever right. assaulted him, and you know they will go on a few years from now to have a have a match in this podcast exploration as well so building up to something that happens a long long time from now but a lot of interaction like you said this is uh we're setting the stage here for the next half of 1998 really
1: yeah and beyond yeah oh yeah absolutely and he he does a throat slash and a huge ovation because the crowd knows what's next is a tombstone you know so he goes to get a tombstone on on Vince and uh Kane comes out and they just start brawling in the ring and then over the top rope and then they go into the crowd and i just you know want to m- note here that i miss these crowd brawls you know some people say they were overused the there sure maybe they were but when they were used in the right spots it was amazing oh yeah particularly like this main event over the edge is going to have some they are just they're so good when they're used correctly. And when they do them now on TV, you know, they're 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 used so sparingly that they do mean something. Yeah, it seems, but
0: Seth Rollins had one a few months ago. I can't remember yep. what the match was, uh, but he had one and it's uh, same thing. Yeah, it was really great. It was really fun.
1: Yeah. So this is not really um, an actual match between Austin and Undertaker here. It's more of an angle, but it brings together all these storylines. And yep. we're going to mention a lot yep. of Austin and Kane and Dude Love as we and Mick Foley as we continue on as this build to uh, Hell in a Cell here, or to the King of the Ring, excuse me.
0: Well, let's touch on the pay-per-view right before that. It's Over the Edge 1998. Like we said, Undertaker doesn't have a match, but he is going to end up being the special enforcer in the main event. Yep. Uh, as just about as the match is about to start between Dude Love and Stone Cold Steve Austin, Vince McMahon's about to ring the bell when all of a sudden The Undertaker's bell tolls. Vince has a great reaction, just a big gulp <laughs> yeah. in his throat. He's terrified of The Undertaker coming out. Uh, everyone's wondering, you know, is The Undertaker on Vince McMahon's side? Is he here to just continue to stack the odds against Stone Cold? Or is he the enforcer that's going to make Vince McMahon officiate fairly and you know it's a great match it's I was telling you before we started here just re-watching it I think I think it's my favorite WWF match of all time uh it's right uh, the other one I always used to say is Mr. Perfect and Bret Hart from SummerSlam 91 is up there mm. Bret Hart and Owen Hart from WrestleMania 10 is up there but man this one as far as a storytelling goes and, and you mentioned just just a straight up sports entertainment match it's it's perfect from beginning to end, and it ends with Undertaker. I mean, excuse me, with Stone Cold getting the win after Undertaker chokeslams Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson <laughs> through the tables <laughs> on the outside. Uh, just awesome. wild spots, and there's a big stare down between Undertaker and Austin as the show ends, uh, as you know, a little bit of respect, but a little bit of. All right, I think I think it's time for us to, to maybe face off uh, for Undertaker to come after this bell. He's giving him that kind of look here, too. So, you know, just a uh, – Undertaker plays a role in one of the – in my opinion, one of the best matches in WWF
1: history. Oh, yeah, and I specifically remember watching this at your house, man. Um, you – I guess did you have this pay-per-view. Or did we rent it from here or something? Yeah,
0: I ordered it and recorded it.
1: When, right. Yeah. Back when you could do that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I remember you telling me, because I remember not looking forward to it, honestly, that much. Because I was like, dude, love, man. Come on. I don't want to see this. But then you sold me on it, and I remember watching it. And afterward, man, I mean, just watching it with you, I mean, I just marked out for all of it. Because like you said, man, it's like the perfect sports entertainment match. Like, you want to see the difference between, you know, NWA, old, you know, Hogan Andre wrestling versus the Attitude Era. This match has everything. It checks every single mark for for sports entertainment versus wrestling, you know, wrestling. So it's awesome. Please go out of your way to watch it. But Taker does play a role there. It sets up stuff for the future here. Let's roll on to uh, Raw 262 on the ne- next night on June 1st. Um, a 98, very so. famous
0: moment here as the, <laughs> the beginning of it's kind of not quite as famous. Lod and Draws are facing the DoA in a Chicago street fight out in the driveway of the building. Oh. When all of a sudden you see this shadowy figure walk down that driveway. It looks like the Big Show, man. I was like, "Wait, uh, we're <laughs> a year does. early for that." But it's Undertaker <laughs> dressed like Casual Monday in his sweatsuit, <laughs> and he sends uh, he sends the Undertaker chains. Puts him on a, this luggage cart and just, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. rolls him down the uh, driveway. I don't know if that spot was planned. I don't it,
1: know. You could tell it was not. Yeah. He tried to turn him <laughs> sideways, and he rolled because the camera guy gets ran over. Like he has to move out of the way. But, um, yeah, man, this is awesome.
0: He beats everybody up, walks into the building, through, <clears> the, and he walks into the arena by the side of the entryway, doesn't walk yeah. down the ramp, no music, just in his street nope. clothes, and delivers a pretty famous uh, quote-unquote shoot interview. If you look up on YouTube, under, it comes up all the time. Undertaker yeah. a shoot interview on Raw, and it's a pretty crazy promo.
1: It really is, man. It's the first time we've seen him like this. You know, he's got sunglasses, a black sweatshirt, black sweatpants. I mean, so he's, he's all, you know, he's even – more relaxed than we saw him in our last episode talking about him in the cut off jeans and, and, you know, or cut off shirt and jeans. Uh, he's even more casual here with his sweats, (laughs) kind of an homage to his future partner, his future uh, uh, opponent here, mankind. So taking a page out of mankind's (laughs) playbook here. But uh, yeah, this is that shoot promo going again. We use that in quotes, but this has got Russo written all over it too, you know, and he just starts out, you know, and we'll try to sum it up here because it's, we, we, we don't have time to break it all down, but you know, basically, let's start at the beginning. You know, he says ten years ago. You know, Vince was known as as someone who gave guys an opportunity. He gave me the chance to be a taker. You know, um, but then shortly after, he says I became the slayer of dragons. So a couple a couple weeks ago, he says he, he was, was a dragon. dragon. Now he's, yeah, sure now was the <laughs> slayer of dragons. My so here in the
2: World Wrestling Federation, I became the Slayer of the Dragons. Now you're asked, what do I mean by that? Vince McMahon knew that I would be loyal for him giving me an opportunity. So what he did, is he put every giant, every freak, that he knew his hand-picked champions couldn't beat, and he sick me on him. And I beat him, I destroyed him, and I moved on. What I did for Vince McMahon was make his kingdom safe for himself and all of his hand-picked
1: champions. And he goes on saying that, you know, I did get my opportunity to aim a two-time WWF champion, he said, but um, my ten- tenure didn't last very long because um, there were, um, you know, other people there than Vince and one representing the World Wrestling Federation. And um, he, but then he says, you know, I remain loyal, stood by his side, and he forces me to fight my own brother and air our dirty laundry on television, and uh, it's all for ratings, which that's just a kayfabe crushing like blow right there, you know talking about ratings because if you're a casual fan you're like what the heck is he talking about but you know this is that vince russo workshoot, you you know behind the scenes things and but i love this next moment he said he's you know even after all that i never lost my smile which Mm. that's just a little dig at sean and you know meanwhile you know austin comes up and after years of mistreatment he's or he goes to the top and nothing against him but the only thing he ever did was fight me you know and um i've had enough and it's time for undertaker to get what's his and i demand a shot at the title so that's to sum it, that up, yeah, that's, that's what it all comes is. down
0: to. He he wants the WWF Championship opportunity. Kind of similar. We saw a little bit of this last year in 1997 when he was he was saying, you know, he's kind of been passed over a little bit. Yeah, he deserves the title. Now he's saying it again. And Vince McMahon finally comes out after all this and says to Undertaker,
2: "You want to talk about loyalty, dedication, honor, all those qualities you have? I'll grant you that." And I'm appreciative for it. But, you know, let's face it. What have you done for
0: Vince McMahon lately? He tells Undertaker, he asks Undertaker if it's true, if his mother really was a, (coughs) uh, you know. And uh, says, Undertaker, you can have your WWF title shot if you can beat your brother Kane tonight. So, we're going to get a number one contendership for King of the Ring tonight. Undertaker versus Kane. Uh, They have a... Pretty good TV match for
1: the main event. Uh, my here. favorite match of to be honestly. So? Yeah, I think as far as in ring, because they're rushed for time, they had to make they had to pick up the pace a little bit. You know, it they couldn't good. do that. You know, methodical. I think it's probably the best in ring product. You know, if you're going to go melter style here, Well, <laughs> I enjoyed the
0: commentary because we have Jr. King, Vince, and Austin all no, on commentary so for this good. for this match. It's great. <laughs> I, I love it. 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 it is worth going out and seeing. Uh, Undertaker bust out a. Russian leg sweep in the middle of this yep. match. Stone Cold even calls it. He goes, oh, a new trick from an old dog. Yeah. <laughs> in the yeah. middle of the match. What
1: has what is, what is Kane done to deserve a title shot? You know, I mean, like, He's I guess, lost twice. <laughs> he did beat Vader
0: the, the night no. before, I guess. But, um, but who?
1: Yeah. yeah, I guess so.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, two losses to the Undertaker. Uh, but they, uh, what ends up happening is Mankind runs out earlier in the night. He was fired by Vince McMahon as Mick Foley slash Dude Love. Well, now he's coming out to try to impress Vince McMahon as Mankind. Gives the Mandible Claw to The Undertaker, which distracts Undertaker. Uh, Kane is able to get a tombstone and get the pinfall on The Undertaker to become the number one contender for King of the Ring. So Stone Cold is going to now pair off with Kane, and Mankind is going to pair off with The Undertaker. That's going to give us our double main event. For King of the Ring, nineteen ninety eight.
1: Yeah, it's really neat how they just kind of wove these two things together and uh, made it happen. I mean, you know, there's not too much build from here on out, but um, it's really neat though, just how they just kind of w- did whatever they did and, and made it happen. You know, because I think that um, even Bruce Prichard was saying on his most recent episode when they covered um, they covered this match, you know, talking about how you know they could have gone with, you know, Kane and Taker again or something, or or they didn't want to, or they, they wanted to do Foley
0: and, uh, and Austin again,
1: excuse me. Yeah. Three months in a row. That was just too much. So they had to change something, but then they're going to go with Mick Foley and, and, uh, Taker again. But it's like, well, they've done that a thousand times. We've covered that half our 47 episodes, I feel like, of them into So it's just, um, but they give us a little special something here. But it is neat because as they're brawling at the end of this episode of Raw, that uh, Jr. says they're going to have to settle this match in hell, which is just mm. a little foreshadowing what's to come. So, but um, this whole episode of Raw plants the seeds for everything, you know, else that's going to go on the rest of the year. Or not plants seeds. Waters waters the seeds that's been planted. You know, at, over the edge. It's just good, great storytelling, man. Awesome.
0: Absolutely, uh, and it, I mean, and the storyline going into King of the Ring, it's good stuff here. Uh, we're going to kind of blow through it because uh, we don't want to make this the you know, three-hour episode. We could talk about it. Oh, yeah. Right. It's great stuff. It's worth going out of your way to go and watch all these Raws. But the general storyline here is they're sort of building this tension between Undertaker and Steve Austin. Like they, They're trying to play in. Obviously, Vince McMahon is trying to screw over Stone Cold, get the title off of him. He's got Mankind on his side. He's got Paul Baron Kane on his side. He's trying to manipulate Stone Cold, and they're trying to make it seem like Undertaker might also be on Vince McMahon's side. Like There might be this huge, giant conspiracy going on against Steve Austin. So that kind of goes on the next week. Uh, Undertaker comes out <laughs> and is just...
1: his sweats again.
0: <laughs> yeah, he is in his sweats again. He's got a ponytail. He's got sunglasses on. He's interrupting matches all through the night. Interrupting chains and draws, interrupting Thank God. Mark Henry and Vader. Yeah, exactly. Choke everybody. Who has his mask on? Vader has his mask back
1: on at You're that right. point. Sorry. Two
0: weeks later. <laughs> yeah. um, and he's saying, I want McMahon. I want McMahon. He's frustrated. He's, he's upset about last week. Uh, and he wants uh, to have a word with Vince McMahon. And Vince McMahon's supposed to have this big grand. It's like Vince McMahon Appreciation Night he, he, Humanitarian Award. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, as it's going on, Stone Cold, of course, comes out and interrupts it when all of a sudden a bunch of the bargain store Dollar General Druids <laughs> come out with a with a casket. We think it's going to be Undertaker, but nope. Mankind pops out from under the ring. Kane pops up out of the casket. They attack Stone Cold, and uh, Austin gets tossed into the casket at the end of that night. So it's kind of – we don't see Undertaker – come out of the casket we don't see him resting right. stone cold we're wondering what does undertaker have to do with all this because they come out yeah. the undertaker's music they do his casket gimmick all that sort
1: of stuff and he's allegedly like you know barricaded by cops running cops backstage or something yeah. so they explain why he wasn't there but as next week will tell us was he in on this or not you know so um the next week of raw is basically continuing this story there's a hell in a cell hanging above the ring um yeah yeah, which is weird to see on Raw. I, I've forgotten about this, that this took place. This is the week, two weeks before? This, sh- two this is before, two uh, weeks before King of the Ring. Yeah, yeah
0: this is actually and, the second ever Hell in a Cell match it takes place yeah. on this Raw, not at King of the Ring.
1: <laughs> yeah, technically. So yeah, basically, again, we've got to make this go quicker. Um, You know, Austin comes out and talks to Vince, and Vince is claiming the Undertaker planned all this stuff last week. And, you know uh takers you know taker is from the dark side anyway he might as well be the devil himself and taker comes out and says i do i did challenge you like a man like i'm not going to do something behind your back and tells vince which a great line here he says you make a living manipulating the minds of those weaker than you <laughs> but you will never be able to manipulate the mind of the undertaker which is really cool uh, and that will come into play later on in this podcast uh, future episodes uh, but um Basically, Kane, Mankind, and Paul Bear. So the the Paul Bear family, because did Mankind call him Uncle Paul? Yeah. <laughs> well yeah. So yeah, Once the Bear the time. Bear fam Bear family's out here, and basically, long story short, they congr- they invite you know Taker and Austin to um to uh, a, a tag team Hell in a Cell match tonight. So um,
0: yeah, Steve, that's the
1: storyline here:
0: Steve Austin, and Undertaker versus Mankind and Kane in the main event, and a Hell in a Cell match. That's going to be the main event of the show. Um, Before that, excuse me, Mankind and Kane compete in the first ever tag team Royal Rumble. (laughs) Where did this come from? For a tag team title shot before the Hell in a Cell match. I mean, we're getting on Raw, unadvertised on an episode of Raw, we're getting a tag team Royal Rumble for the first time ever. And. A tag team Hell in a Cell match, the second ever Hell in a Cell match. I mean, this <laughs> yeah. is crash TV in a yeah. nutshell, dude. Back to back, we're getting all of that happening unadvertised. It's just wild.
1: <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's nuts. Uh, it doesn't, and it's super and entertaining. It's, oh, yeah. Oh, this I mean, one no other thing is super it. entertaining. Oh, absolutely. It's throughout the night, Kevin Kelly is asking Taker and Austin if they trust each other. And Taker has the perfect line. He says, how can you trust somebody who lives by the motto, don't trust anybody? It's true. Which I, I couldn't say said better myself. So, um, but yeah, why don't you tell us what happens in the in the match here? Because, again, like you said, Kane Mankind win this number one contenders tag team title match. They're still in the ring, and then the cell starts to lower.
0: The cell, the cell starts to lower. Paul Bearer calls out Austin Undertaker. And, you know, I, <clears throat> Mankind delivered a promo here. Maybe. Yeah. Very poetic and... You know, like a few weeks ago, I, I got to read off Doc Hendricks' poetry. I, I thought, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd like to do a dramatic reading of of mankind's poetry here before we oh, you know, take a little break. Where you know, we the
1: sidewalk ends with mankind. Sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Here we go.
0: Listen up, one. Listen up, all to mankind and Cain and dear Uncle Paul, because after tonight, you'll hear all the stories they'll tell about how Stone Cold Steve Austin suddenly fell. But bad news for you, Dead Man, not because our team's winning. For it's not the end, it's just the beginning. Because look all around you, steel bars and mesh. They'll break your bones, they'll rip at your flesh. Because the King of the Ring, it's my turn to play. I guarantee, Dead Man, it won't be a nice day.
1: Thank you, thank you. Oh, excuse me.
0: Yeah, give me the snap. there we go.
1: Fantastic!
0: I love it. I didn't know so we had so much poetry on this podcast. Yes. I had no idea. Yeah, no idea. Very, very beautiful promo from mankind here. Like the cell lowers, and we just get kind of a big giant schmoz to end the show. Yeah, it's really fun. It's not really a match. Technically, it is. Right. And on the network, they have the extra attitude. After extra the show. mustard or whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bell rings, man. There's a pinfall. There's a. There's a finish. Austin and Undertaker technically win this match, but basically, uh, somehow, uh, uh, Austin ends up outside of the cage with Mankind and Kane. Paul Bear is all alone in the cell, and Undertaker pops. Locks up out himself of the rig. in, yeah. Yeah, he's locked in the rig. and Undertaker beats the mess out of Paul Bear. Dude, I will never get tired of Undertaker beating up Paul Bear. <laughs> he does another blade old. job too. Yeah,
1: <laughs> which. With the blade. And, like, my only problem here in the whole entire thing, Kane comes out and tries to get in the cell. Didn't he rip the door off back in October mm, when he debuted? Touche. He ripped the freaking door off a locked cell, but here he can't get in. So that's my only little thing, my little beef. I have to nitpick here. But, yeah, bear with a blade job. Which again, that's two unnecessary blade jobs for Paul Bear in the last few weeks. But that leads us into the next week, um, where because he was bleeding and beaten to a pulp by Undertaker here, which the crowd loves. They're in a frenzy. Oh, yeah. This crowd this night, I don't remember which city they were in, but man, they got a freaking treat with this oh, episode of my Raw. Gosh. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, awesome. But um, that leads us moving on to the next week before we get to this. Watch along is uh, Raw 265, June 22nd. Paul Bear is at home via satellite and is uh, healing from his beating last week. And he's wearing, uh, was he wearing like in a, a, bath a, a bathrobe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's got this picture. I don't know if it's shown here or maybe later, but he's got this picture on the wall, a frame picture of Kane in his wrestling outfit. And it's it's just like if you have a picture of your son on your wall, do you have him in his wrestling of mask? And because I would, like, I, w- I really wish it would have been a picture of the ski mask with the windbreaker. <laughs> would have been incredible. Would have been great. <laughs> would have uh, been amazing. So
0: well, he's there at home. He's watching the show live as Vince McMahon brings out Kane <laughs> to open the show. And it's at this point we hear Kane speak for the very first time. Vince gives him this big pep talk for the WWF Championship match. He can't wait for someone to take the title off of Stone Cold. tells Kane it's going to be his destiny and says that this match between Kane and Stone Cold is going to be a first in the WWF, which I didn't realize.
1: Me neither, man.
0: They're going to have a first blood match, and it is the first one in WWF history. I, I never realized that.
1: I had no clue. I just assumed it had been around, you know. I knew right. this match was first blood, but I didn't know it was the first first blood match. Yeah. So, well,
0: Vince asked yeah, Kane and, to speak publicly for the first time to say what else the contract <clears throat> states. Uh, oh, and, and what, does he,
1: what does he say here? He says, If I don't win the title, I will set myself on fire. <laughs> That pretty good. Good? <laughs> that's pretty good that's <laughs> pretty <laughs> good <then>. and <laughs> paul bear flips out at home he's it shows him watching he's uh he's flipping out but um i remember watching this live as a kid and thinking how weird it was you know to hear kane speak you know and uh, it was it blew my mind you know a lot of new stories being told here in the undertaker saga so
0: much stuff and It blows my mind that we now have a suicide stipulation for the (laughs) World Wrestling Federation (laughs)
1: Championship. This title means so much, I will kill myself if I don't. That's what's happening here. He says he will (laughs) kill himself if he doesn't win.
0: Oh, man. You're not going to see this on SmackDown Live on Fox, people.
1: No. (laughs) No, 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 no. Um,
0: No. We go back to Paul Bearer via satellite at home and. He just says, well, you know, when Kane has something in his mind, he's going to stick to it. Uh, but he's not going to have to do anything like that because I'm going to get off my sick bed. I will be at ringside with my son at King of the Ring like, I, like I've been with him for his entire life. Um, Kane goes on to face Road Dog later in the mat, <laughs> later on in the night. Uh, I love Road in, Dog. Oh, dude. Kane did not. Kane destroyed him. No. Kane got a big <laughs> win over Road Dog. Uh, and... <laughs> Paul Bear is distracted watching this and and doesn't hear uh, doesn't hear what's going on in the back of his house. I guess.
1: Yeah, at this point you get the Undertaker entering his house. He comes into frame on this the via satellite and he says, "You think I forgot where you live, Undertaker? I don't care what
2: you do. I'm going to be there this Sunday for my son's finest hour. What <laughs> the <To> hell? I forgot where you live?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> I thought that was a great line. That was a great line. You can't forget where he live. And he just delivers a right fist right to Paul Bear's beak, man. He's <laughs> just beating him up. And it, there's a woman screaming in the background. Who is that? Who is this? Who is, is this that? his new lady? Yeah, there's
0: right. There's a new
1: lady that's not a Taker's mom because she's burned. <laughs> Got choke slammed into her casket oh, last, week, yeah. last week. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, there's some woman screaming in the background, and this is um, – Undertaker is just beating up Bear and throwing furniture around the house and throwing breaking the TV. And this is as confirmed or allegedly confirmed on Paul on Richard's recent most recent podcast that um, this is where both Taker and Paul Bear kind of tweaked their ankles uh, real bad during this brawl. Yeah, uh, they broke their ankles, fake fighting in a in a house throwing furniture. Around. Exactly. like it's crazy. Exactly. Crazy.
0: I think you can see it. You know, Undertaker throws a dresser on top of yeah. Paul Bear and then just stumbles back onto the couch and sit like falls down, and sits yeah. on the couch. I think that's when he rolls his ankle, and you can see Paul Bear fall awkwardly too. I think he. I think they have basically the same injury. They both cut yeah. their legs or their ankles or something. It is hilarious to think about. Yeah, six days out of this pay per view, these two guys. <laughs> Get hurt doing this? you're yeah. not in a real wrestling scenario but doing this stupid stuff.
1: That's uh, to vision. Steve Austin has like a staff infection. He goes to the hospital for like four days. too, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, uh, also future Hall of Famer Edge debuts on this night of Raw. Just want to throw that in there. He'll remember that name, ladies and gentlemen. He'll come into play a little bit later. <laughs> we will come
0: uh, into talking about him much, much more later on the show. But yeah, a, a historic debut here on this episode of Raw, and uh, you know. Break- Go ahead.
1: What? Austin breaks the guy's neck.
0: Oh, his God. First match. Yeah. Another injury. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> something's in the air. <laughs> something's Episode. in the water. Wow. Man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, man. And this man. is the show that has the famous angle where Austin's in the ring. Excuse me. Austin's in the ring wearing a white baseball jersey for the first time yeah, in his life. Yeah. First time ever. He knew something's out. up. Yeah, drops some blood onto him to scare him, psych him out for the first blood match that Sunday. Uh, Mankind cuts a promo here on Undertaker, a really good promo. Calls Undertaker yeah. a coward for attacking Paul Bearer. Uh, the Cell drops down around him as he's cutting his promo. So yeah, uh, those are the two big matches going into the King of the Ring uh, it's kind of a double main event here. Plus the
1: King of the Ring itself, you know, which is the always King exciting. The King of the Ring tournament you know? itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: That's a huge pay-per-view. So,
1: it really is. It feels like a, you know, a mania-type build. I mean, there hasn't been much build to these matches, honestly. I mean, they kind of threw these together, you know, the last two weeks. But as far as, like, you know, star quality and, you know, your anticipation for the matches, it's a really big, really big card. You know,
0: They've done a great job at selling it and bringing it in there, um, especially for... In this, like you said, it's it's Undertaker of Mankind we've seen a lot of. It's actually, I believe, I mean, our listeners could correct me if I'm wrong. This, for for this matchup here, this is going to be the fifth time they've ever faced on pay-per-view here at King of the Ring 98. Which up to this point is the record for the most times of a singles match two guys have ever faced each other on pay-per-view wow uh, i think it's broken you know uh, after this of course uh, there's oh john cena and randy orton sure yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely like 15 times but up they to break this it point, in one calendar year <laughs> right up to this point this is match number five for them and no wow. two guys have ever faced each other on pay-per-view that much in See, WWF history
1: freaking undertaker man he's got so many so much cool stuff cool yeah. history
0: well, let's talk about it. Uh, we're, we want you right now to queue up the WWF Network. We are gonna. The time queue is, is going to be 1 hour, 46 minutes, 23 seconds. So if you're using a streaming app that has the timestamps on there, it should be, You know, just go to the one that says Undertaker Mankind, Hell in a Cell. And that should put you yeah. right there. Uh, I know on, my, on the Apple TV, it doesn't have those timestamps. So I believe the time queue is just 1 hour, 46 minutes 23 seconds go ahead and pull that up on king of the ring 1998 if you need to pause the show here for a minute uh, you can go ahead and do that as you queue it up or if you just want to listen to us give our live streaming thoughts uh, and aren't going to watch it then you know feel free but uh, we encourage you to watch along with us we're going to do our best to talk about just a little bit more of the historical significance of this match and kind of give that interaction of watching this match really for the first time in in 20 years. I haven't seen it in in a long, long time uh, until watching it now, so it's going to be really exciting, really fun to watch along with you, my my friend.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We'll try not to step on each each other too much, but I'm sure we'll both have the same things to say at the same time, so we'll see. We'll see how this goes, ladies and gentlemen. So you let me know when you're ready to push play. I'm ready to go. You want to give him a countdown? Oh, yes, I do. All right, ready? 3... Two, one, go.
0: All right, of course, we've got JR and King on commentary. I mean, famously, man, you know, Mankind and Kane, excuse me, Mankind and Undertaker. Obviously, this is the match that mankind is associated with for all time, right? But you could say, too, this is the match that puts JR on the map historically. You know, JR is a legend. Without a doubt, even without this match, but this sure. is the one. Still to this day, there's memes and and all those sort of and videos made with the commentary for this match. So it not only puts the wrestlers on the map, it it makes Jr. a legend in a lot of ways too.
1: It does. You'll see it on ESPN. All I mean, you'll see those. You know, <laughs> it's right. every between all, between September and February of every year, if you get a hard hit in a in a football game. Um, whether it's college or NFL, you're going to have,
0: by God, he's broken in half. Always, you know? to this day, 20 years that. later. Okay,
1: right now, right now, this is a close end of a first blood match. A uh, little, little, you know, something somebody in the, made from home and, and, and brought a little sign. But, Mike, this is the Hell in a Cell match. Why are we zooming in on the first blood? Good job, but why are we zooming it, in on it It is a
0: cool sign, though. I, I do like that sign. It is
1: cool. But thanks a lot, Karen, man. So mankind is coming out here with a chair, and I would just like to say I appreciate corporate mankind here. He's got a, he's dressed up. He's got a black tie and a white shirt on.
0: And this is our first look at that, really. Uh, I think I think he had it on Raw the week before, but yeah. again, it's going into that storyline. He, he has uh, he's been fired as Dude Love, and he, now he's trying to come back and, and impress Mitsui <laughs> Man. That's why he's gone heel again, and he's going to continue on. For the rest of his time as Mankind, he will wear this <laughs> suit and tie. You know, it, it ties, I think a lot of people probably don't know why he wore that. Right. it all goes back to this. This is the first yep. real pay-per-view match that he wore this outfit for and changed yeah. up his look for that.
1: Pretty cool. Once again, Undertaker, man. Cornerstone of the freaking World Wrestling Federation. So much stuff is a genesis with him. So here's Mankind. He's checking, checking to make sure this is a secure facility. He's walking in. Doing a little turnaround. And here he's gonna decide something very unique that I believe Terry Funk told him. Why don't you tell us what that is?
0: Yeah, famously here, mankind <clears throat> is gonna start, he's gonna about to throw this chair up to the top of the cell. Uh, good toss right made there. It. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and he's gonna start the match on top of the cell. And as you mentioned, <laughs> he <laughs> slips this little <laughs> slip right there. I uh, Terry Funk gave him this idea. They were talking about, you know, how can we make this match different from the first Hell in a Cell match? How can we top it? We talked about on our podcast on episode 42, I think it was. Uh I think so. 43. Um, 42, yeah. Uh, of that Hell in a Cell match is one of the best WWF matches of all time. How do you top it? Yeah. And and that's kind of the story here. This match, yeah, it's an escalation of everything man you know they're not not only are they having to escalate from the hell in a cell that first hell in a cell you know just a couple months ago we had people setting people on fire (laughs) the over the edge main event was crazy and awesome Uh, we had a hell in a cell on tv two weeks beforehand and these guys have faced each other on pay-per-view four times like It's almost like they back themselves into a corner where they have to do these wild and crazy spots that we're about to see. So, yeah, yeah. they have to escalate it, you know?
1: For sure. As we see The Undertaker coming out here. And right before Undertaker's music hits here, Jr. says, uh, can you imagine what this human being will do to himself? Talk about mankind. Mm. I mean, Jr. had no idea what these spots were. Like... He's just foreshadowing there without knowing. And um, okay. as we talked about, you know, the first Hell in a Cell being so great, King even says at the beginning of this match um, that the first Hell in a Cell was perhaps the greatest thing he's ever seen. King says that on commentary, which is unusual for a, a heel commentary to put it over like that. But that's a great camera shot right there of the Undertaker walking toward the cell with the camera looking through the chain link. That was a really good production shot. Dan Kirk, 316, ladies and gentlemen. Dan Kirk. I don't know who he is. but Hit us
0: up, Dan Kirk. Hit us up. We want to hear from you.
1: So at this point, Taker's at the ring, and this is a great shot too. You got Taker down below, wonderful production shot, Mankind standing on top, twitching like he's got Tourette's, and uh, just daring him to come up to the top. It's awesome.
0: And remember here, Undertaker is injured. He is coming into this with a bum ankle, and you can see it clearly throughout the entire match. He is not at 100%. He's going to be limping on top of this cage, limping in the ring, limping out of the ring.
1: It's, <laughs>
0: yeah. Again, his commitment level to what he's doing. He's he's not phased though. He's about to climb right up there. Look at and this face dude face off with mankind. Yeah, this is a six ten, three hundred twenty pound dude. Also, yeah, climbing this yeah. cage.
1: And it kind and read, helps
0: him up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, right there. I went back and read a transcript of talk as Jericho with, with mick foley on it, and he mentioned that he forgot. You know, deciding to cl- to climb to the top of the cell, he forgot how fat he was, and <laughs> now he could only do like four pull ups in elementary school. He's like, I didn't realize it until I started climbing how t- how how bottom heavy I am. So and now they're up on the cell, guys, punching. You're not going to see many wrestling moves in this match, guys. No. If you haven't seen it before.
0: And and talk about bottom heavy here. We're about to see him just about here and just say, oh, big uh, he sign in the crowd. I don't know if you (laughs) caught that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They're just about to go through the cell here themselves here before they're supposed to. As mankind gets in a few chair shots. What? He does. (laughs) Why is he bringing that chair up there?
1: I don't know. We're going to see
0: it come to play here in a second. As, sure,
1: but... Whoop. Whoa. here they go.
0: They're Pop about goes to, break to sell. Through.
1: Could you imagine if they broke through right there? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> There's like two drunk uncles fighting right now. They're just like wobbling. Bless their hearts, man. So here we go. We're in this match probably
0: Mankind going for contact.
1: C-close. Yeah. <laughs> they probably made contact, what, 80 seconds ago? Yep. Now they're punching, punching. Mankind's on the edge, and. There it is. Oh my god. Good gracious. Oh
0: my, he is broken in half. As JR (sighs) would say, Mankind goes flying off the cell, and dude, the sustained noise from this crowd when this happens, it's not really a cheer, it's just like a roar for. About 30 seconds after this happened, they just people are screaming, people are crying, people are in shock. There's just this incredible noise after that happens.
1: And this is selling 101, except for he's actually separated his shoulder from his body. Yeah, he's legit. Separation. But look at that selling, man. I just, I mean, he's not selling. He's actually, here you go, the replay. Here's the replay great right angle. there. Oh, my goodness. He didn't take the monitors off, man. But look, and at, the, look how perfectly he hits
0: it. Yeah. So he doesn't hit those monitors. And you can nope. wa- You can watch his right hand. He kind of guides himself off yeah. the cage, too. It's just, you know, it's insane. And I, I don't want to call it stupid. You know, it's uh, it. I don't know if it's necessary. We can debate that maybe later on as we see Terry uh, Funk go on here, but
1: Doctor you... Funk, <laughs> Doctor hey, Terry Funk, it's comes crazy. Out.
0: And and look at look at the Spanish announcers next time they show it. They don't get up.
1: They don't no, move out of the way. They
0: just sit there as a human being comes flying <laughs> towards them. Yeah,
1: and I'm, I'm talking about, I was reading that interview with Jericho again, and he's and Mick Foley said that he went, he talked to Vince and ran that by him, and he said, you know do you mind if I do this bump? And Vince was like, no, no, no. And he said, well, let me put it this way. If I was going to elbow drop someone off the top of it, you would probably let me, right? And Vince said, yeah, probably. He said, all right. And it's the same thing, except there's nobody on the table moving. So that's how he allegedly got mm. Vince to, to let him do it. So uh, a little behind the scenes there. Again, not from us. There's a Francois Petit right there with the ponytail, who was is sub-zero in the World Combat movies, according to Bruce Pritchard, and confirmed by IMDb.
0: That is wild. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I knew I knew that name because Stone Cold talks about him all the time on his podcast. Yeah,
0: I didn't know he's an actor though. Either me look neither. At, look again. Never look good. at mankind. Oh. He guides himself God. with his hand there. Yeah, you know, he's trying to do it as safely as possible, but there, there's no safety there. Like like JR no. said, you can't fake that. You know, no. it's just and incredible. What a
1: what a small margin for error. too. Yes, like he could
0: exactly. have exactly could have he could have hit one of those
1: monitors. Man, could have hit the guardrail or yeah or. Uh, 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 Bronco Savinovich, or whatever his name is. I think it's you Bronco Savinovich and Hugo Savinovich. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, this is Vince McMahon breaking kayfabe. I'm honestly, out here checking on him. You know, uh, I think Pritchard said he wasn't supposed to come out, but he was legit concerned for him. And so, Vince McMahon is out there as Vince McMahon, not Mr. McMahon, the character checking on him. And here, you can hear some cuss words uh, if you listen closely. and They're saying he broke his or he's is his, you know, blankety blank shoulder and stuff. So um, he's yeah, again. This is this is not acting right here.
0: No, and it's important to note as the cell goes <laughs> up here with Undertaker <laughs> on top. There wasn't any padding underneath that no. table. You know, no. it, this this they kind of got away with something here, really, because right. if, if you look at every other bump that's been done like this in the twenty years since, and we've seen a lot of them. We've seen Shame It Man yeah. jump off the cell. We've seen. Jeff Hardy do some wild stuff Shoot. off the Titan Tron. Steve Blackman, Rikishi <laughs> have done some crazy bumps. Every single one of those has some padding involved. Has yeah. some special effects. It's gimmicked. It's gimmicked. This was not, and it's because of this that every big one after that has been gimmicked afterward. Yeah, you know even al- McFoley, yeah, when he the, does like against the um, next Triple year H, you there, know? or two yeah. years later. Um, yeah, and a very somber Vince Man looking on.
1: I, I mean, that's a shoot right there. Legit concern, yeah. yeah. Actual concern from. Um, well, I thought I thought that was <laughs> Terry Funk in the medicab, but it wasn't. This is an actual <laughs> medic. So. But um, you know, I was thinking when I was watching this is that if this were a technical shoot, you know, Taker would have just rolled down there, throw him in the ring, and pinned him. You know, so he's actually concerned for his brother here. But um,
0: but yeah, you know. I mean, they could have they could have ended it right here, and it yeah. would have been oh, fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was oh, This yeah. was enough right here. Uh, I watched a, a clip from a VHS that I used to have, the Three Faces of Foley VHS that came out. It uh, came out later this year in 1998. Uh, Foley talks about some of his most famous moments. He's talking in the arena to the Hardy Boys in an empty arena, just telling, <laughs> yeah. telling stories to them. It's a great video, man. I, it I wish it was on the network. But he's talking to them about this match and he says, in the planning of it, I was thinking to myself, Mick Foley's saying this, you know, if we do something big right away, people will believe they saw a tremendous match, even if nothing else happened. And I mean, he was spot on. Yeah. Uh, Because we're going to talk about that as this match goes on. There's a couple of gigantic spots here, but uh, otherwise, uh, it's not much of a match.
1: No, uh, it's But not. we
0: all remember it as a classic. As Undertaker yeah. climbs down here trying to escape
1: Ginger Lee with his ankle here. Uh-oh. He's trying. And I just want to say um the the crowd at this point is chanting Undertaker yes, clap, they clap, are. clap. Here we go. Man, mankind's back up. There's Dave Hebner the Fat Twin trying, trying to trying hold to him, him back. They're
0: trying to stop him, trying to hold him back and you know, in real life they probably should have. Uh, in another yeah. time in another era they would have. As <laughs> but this is just so Iconic. Both guys climbing back up. Rushing back all. up, yeah. Oh, my God. It's it's amazing.
1: I think Mankind climbed faster then than he did the first time, and now yeah. his shoulders it's legit separated. On. Pure
0: adrenaline. Uh, adrenaline. adrenaline.
1: Whatever. Yeah. Well, that, too. Whatever. <laughs> Taker walking in the tightrope in the middle. Okay, so headbutt from Undertaker. So we've seen this giant table bump that was horrifying. And the next spot in the match,
0: he goes through the cage oh my. to the <sighs> ring. That's and the chair it. Hits him in the tooth. As Mr. Man says, as you can see the zip oh. ties around, yes, as the chair hit him in the tooth. and
1: Now they're rushing the ring here. Oh,
0: yeah. Break through the door into the cage to check on him. and Taker. Taker's looking down at him I'm like, well, you asked for this, dude. <laughs> you, wanted, you wanted this kind of match, and I'm the Undertaker. I'm bringing it to you. And just this iconic shot right here of Undertaker standing over uh, what what a lot of people in the ring thought was dead. They thought yeah, and here it. comes Taker Ooh.
1: lands, and oh, that hurt my ankle. Yep. just watching him land. Yep. There goes the Fat Twin, Dave Hebner again. So here's he's just fallen onto this this ring, and he comes in here, and allegedly he gets the gets the you know information. That it's okay to proceed. This is one of my favorite parts of the match. <laughs> it doesn't involve a being bummed.
0: Terry Funk Chokes gives mankind a chance to take a breather. Ch- Terry Funk goes down and. <laughs>
1: Out of his shoes. Kicks his shoes off <laughs> right here. And if you're not paying attention, you think I don't think we just chokeslam the man out of his shoes. <laughs> lo- dirty oh, dirty that's my favorite. dirty tubes. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a replay. Oh, <gasps> oh my god, his golly. body's
0: not supposed to do that. Oh, oh man.
1: And I just so the, again the other
0: uh, bump I think is the more famous bump. This is the more this painful one. bump for sure. And, and that's what Brittany said. This is the one oh, they're yeah. concerned
1: about. Yeah, and,
0: and because look at that! Look at me! Look at that! He's not well. The way he no, he did not take that bump normally. He is not. <laughs> no. He's not all there, man.
1: No, he's he concussed. Okay, you know? yeah. Um, and this is where I, I was reading that you know that transcript of his interview with Jericho, and he said that allegedly, according to Mick Foley, the cell was supposed to like give a little bit, and then like kind of have a tear in it when they chokeslammed him in it, and then he would kind of fall down like a like he'd fall down a rabbit hole almost. And take it would kind of shove him, he would be hanging upside down and then kinda of backflip over onto his knees and his hands. That did not happen. He went straight through to right. the ground. Here we go. Old school. Oh. And
0: Mankind, mankind just kind collapses in the corner there. It's it's really it's honestly uncomfortable to watch. It just is. knowing as we oh. see that shot of his tooth coming out of his nose. <laughs> and his,
1: his I mean the fact that we're saying that. Is,
0: yeah. It's wild, uh, that, and oh, that's from the chair that came down on top of him that knocked that tooth out. But, yeah, it, you know, uh, there was a lot of questions, and I'm thinking there's a lot of confusion of the people saying that spot was not planned of him going through the cell. It was. It, he was right. supposed to go through. So that was gimmicked, and you can see the zip ties come off of it. He was supposed to go off of it, but I think the understanding was it would take a couple of choke slams to go through it, and he might be able to pivot and well, land it in pain. a different way. Oh, he is. He is concussed. His shoulder's separated. He is, he's not all there. Look, he, he picks up the stairs and just drops them. He doesn't know what to yeah. do here. It's, uh, so Taker's
1: like, fine, I'll yeah. do it. He picks up. It's look at that so tooth,
0: tooth in the nose, tooth in the nose, tooth in the nose. He Undertaker rams him with the stairs. and
1: In the bad shoulder, by the way.
0: <laughs> you know, just... Oh all the props in the world to Mick Foley for sacrificing himself for doing this and, you know, but
1: for fans like us.
0: Yeah. But the funny thing is, you know, if you look at his career, what is he famous for? For Mr. Socko, for for a freaking his pants and out dirty tube sock. Yeah. And that's the, I think that's the lesson here is that he didn't have to do all this stuff. Is he right? Would he still be a hall of famer without this match? I think so. Yep. Would he still be WWF champion? Probably eventually. Would this elevated him to a different level, but you know, look at guys like look at the king. Look at the Rock and Roll Express who we've talked about on the show. Would they ever do yeah. anything like this? And No. Are they still wrestling today? <laughs> As Undertaker oh. just Suicide. <laughs> he's accident. working this match by himself here. He Jumps <laughs> yeah. into the cage. He's gonna take a blade job here. Um man, it is But yet Oh, man. it's brutal
1: you're right we've talked about it a lot on this we've talked we've used mcfoley as an example about how he's most over when he has sock on his hand and is doing stuff like you know it didn't matter that you could do it, which i think was vince's hesitation in bringing him in the first place you know jr mm-hmm. talked about how he had to convince him to let him bring him in because he was a spot monkey mm-hmm. which wasn't in a term back then but you know vince was hesitant and uh, apparently after this match well I'll, I'll i'll say that for when this match is over vince has a comment he says to him that according to mcfoley right um, and I'll say that for when this match is over. But, yeah, I mean, it just goes to show that as long as you got good storytelling, good characters, you don't have to do this kind of stuff. And, I mean, Undertaker's still wrestling today, <laughs> you know? That's true, yep. He's still wrestling today, um, you, you know? You can tell he's hurt right
0: here, too. He's oh yeah, struggling to get up those stairs. Uh, Kudos
1: to both of them.
0: Yeah, especially because we're going to see them – after this match is over, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> mankind hits goes, your favorite move. Wedgie pile driver. Oh, oh yeah.
0: boom.
1: Picks your perfect it hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And again, I was talking about stakes earlier. This match has absolutely no stakes. That's true. There's nothing at stake in this match. There's no title contendership. There's no tag team title. There's no anything. You're not going to be on Vince's payroll if you win. There's no stakes. So they did all this. And there's no stakes, you know, but it's still a classic match, obviously. Oh, but it's imagine legendary. Yeah, yeah, it's it's absolutely. Oh, taking a page out of Sabu's book. And oh, leg drop on the chair, and that's my thing
0: too. Like at this point, why are we even still doing this match? You know, the, <laughs> yeah, it's those two bumps. I mean, that's that's what we came here for. And they, and honestly, if you listen to the crowd here, they're just kind of in stunned silence at what they've seen, and they they go through the the motions with this wrestling match after right but you you didn't need to and and uh, mankind is good lord man he's tooth man he's bleeding from the mouth his tooth is in his nose hits about the ugliest nah. ddt you'll ever see right <laughs> there it's yeah. just you know in the mat in the punishment as as jr would say you know somebody stopped the dang match
1: yeah and um JR tells us right here. He says, "You know, we said this would not be for the weak at heart." And uh, King says, "Look at mankind's face. He's actually laughing," um, which, again, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And then here's um, the spot, there, the third spot, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, but as there, as he's getting these some text out, I want to say that JR reminds us on commentary here that no one has had more wins over Undertaker than Mankind, mm. which. I'll be. We should probably go back and check that, but I I can't. I mean, yeah, on pay per view, definitely. You know, I can't think anybody else has thumbtacks. Maybe Sean. I mean, Sean would be, but I think
0: yeah, yeah, I guess Sean.
1: It'd be up there with both of them. So here we got thumbtacks on there, punch to the face. This is oh man. This is the
0: first time we've ever seen thumbtacks in the
1: WWF, right?
0: Fully busting out the death match kind of stuff, and dude, you know, thumbtacks. Always work. That's one of those yeah. days, man. Mick Foley's done a lot, but even a couple years ago when Jericho and Ambrose did it, man, it always gets over. Yeah, bring you know, thumbtacks. Always. The ring. And, and and honestly, there's... you know, it's it's painful, but it's not on the same level of taking a bump flying through off a table. For... Yeah, it, it's, right safe you're not going to separate your shoulder exactly yeah it's going to
1: hurt you're not going to separate your shoulder or get a concussion from landing on some thumbtacks it'll hurt for a little while you put some band-aids on it but yeah you're not going to risk your you know sanity <laughs> basically i mean jericho talked about how it hurt like a beast but yeah, um yeah, yeah it's not these two bumps here and so here we go mankind's got the mandible claw which is how he's put away undertaker in the past Taker is probably not selling there. He's actually ready to give up.
0: Oh, God. Yeah, both of <laughs> yeah, these
1: guys. I'm, I'm ready to get, watch him. You know, referee Tim White here at Hell in a Cell, he'll have an infamous Hell in a Cell later on in the years that gotta, ends his career.
0: You got to think about what's going on in his head, just being in there yeah, I know. all this sort of stuff.
1: Oh, so here's Undertaker, man kind of on his back.
0: And, and... he's going to just flat back down onto oh. the thumbtacks, dude. <sighs>
1: Which mankind rolls into? Still got a tooth in the nose, guys. Still got a tooth in the mo- nose.
0: And there's a great story on the "Something to Wrestle With" episode from last week with Bruce Pritchard and Conrad. Is he? Bruce talks about mankind coming backstage after this match, saying, Oh, I'm sorry, we forgot all the thumbtack stuff." Like <laughs> yeah. mankind did not remember any of this happening. Yeah, and yet That's he crazy. did it and went through with it as he's about to get choke slammed into the thumbtacks here just brutal yeah i mean
1: oh man, man right before this is he's as he's leaned over in the corner and tim white comes and talks to him he says uh mcfoley M- leans up and says tell him to and he says some word i can't understand but i guess what it was was go home tell him to go home like yeah i'm done i rewound it about 20 times here we go we've got a sideways tombstone perfect picture perfect looks awesome cross pin one Iconic pin 1 two, three, 17 minutes 38 seconds as far as i can remember
0: mercifully oh, it is over jr is going to say these two men gave you of their soul tonight uh they're putting over both guys huge and i mean really this was pretty much a undertaker squash match going D- back and dude, watching it he destroys
1: mankind here he does he throws him off the top chokes lands him through it Backseat drivers, I'm a the thumbtacks. Choke sends a in the thumbtacks. And there's a tombstone. All that Mankind got was an ugly DDT. Yep. But this match got four and a half stars from Dave Meltzer, and Sean Takerwin got five, which, I mean, if you're going to go from in ring standpoint, which he's usually big on, there's no way they compare. But as oh, far as spectacle, no and, ta- spectacle and tableau, that's what we mentioned last week. It's the this rare match time. All. Yeah, Meltzer rates
0: it based off of yeah just the spectacle of it.
1: Yeah. Because again, I think you and I both said that Sean and Taker is our favorite hell in the cell. But this one, there's no denying the impact this one had on the future of the industry, future of like you said, even safety in big bumps. But um, I
0: mean, that one you,
1: had. A, do you remember watching
0: right? this one for the first time?
1: I do. So I remember this night, my friend that was at my church. Um, he called me. He ordered the pay-per-view. And he called me and told me what had happened, and I got online. And was reading, you know, the updated, you know, spoilers as, you know, as the Kane and Austin match going on. But I remember him calling me. His name was Daniel Harrison. He called me and uh, told me what happened. And uh, I remember not seeing it. I, I wonder if I saw it. With- I don't remember the first time I saw it. If I saw it with you, or if I rented it. But I do remember I owned the um, WWF Eve of Destruction VHS, uh-huh. which came out yeah. at the end of '99. Or beginning two thousand, and it had like the highlights of this on it, along with the highlights of uh-huh. a lot of other good matches. And I remember watching this one over and over and over again. Like it wasn't the whole thing, but honestly, though, it's just it's basically three bumps, right? You know? Right. I There's remember, not a lot in between.
0: I I remember hearing. about I must have read it online. You know what happened, and then they would show the still images on Raw the next night, and I was just blown away by it. And whenever the VHS came out to the store, you know, two months later or whatever it was, I remember. I feel like it was rented out the first couple weeks. I I tried to go oh, sure. get it, but uh, you know, I remember as we see some more replays of it. I remember watching it and just rewinding it over and over and over again because it was just shock. It was unbelievable to, bull to me. I remember my dad had a friend uh, that he worked with that came over to the house and he was sort of, he used to be into wrestling back in the day, back when he was younger. And I remember like saying, you got to come see this. Like, cause we would talk about wrestling stuff, even though he wasn't really watching it. I remember like coming to show him like, Oh my God, you've never seen anything like this before. It was just, it was insane. It was one of those things. And, and that's the thing about it is 20 years later, it's still, it still has not been topped. I don't think. And I mean, that's a good thing probably. Oh yeah. uh, You know, for the safety and the and the and the careers of people nowadays, it's a you know, we hit the peak, and it should never go beyond this. And hopefully, it doesn't. I and mean, it's a good thing that we have all that safety. And in, in my opinion, some people oh, would yeah. say, "Oh, oh yeah. no, you know we need more of this attitude era stuff." As as mankind gets stretched out and right, <laughs> it's
1: he's refusing it,
0: unable to stand. You know, that, yeah, that's all I need to to know about this. Is that it shouldn't. It, and, it, wrestling doesn't have to be like this.
1: Right. And God bless him for doing it, but it doesn't King,
0: have to be like this.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And King says something. Uh, well, JR and King both say, I, I think JR says, I'll tell you what, folks, in 25 years, I've never witnessed anything that even closely resembles what we just witnessed. And then King says, nothing in any federation has ever resembled this yeah you know up to this point probably not i'm sure and like you said there's been other spots and big stuff and you get the holy ass moments and stuff nowadays in the big spot but like nothing this is it man this is the pinnacle of it and terry funk's rocking a fanny pack
0: <laughs> it's, fanny it's pack and two socks bringing the crowd to their feet uh again and we, and we do hear a light foley chant uh, yeah as Mick Foley does get a, a standing ovation here uh, yeah, and it, seeing it a one replay. more replay.
1: Man. Like like you said, man, it sucks that Foley had to go to these links to like, be solidified as a main eventer. But this definitely is a match that everyone says he put him there. I know he got sick of talking about it, but now he's doing a, a tour, you know, world right. tour about it. So, I mean, he, he must have come to terms with it. But at first, he says he got sick of talking about it, you know. This is not what defined him.
0: Well, he says yeah. on that Three Faces of Foley VHS, which came out in 1998, you know, just a few months after this, he says on there, "This is probably the match that I'll be remembered for throughout my entire yeah. career." And he knew even a couple months later that that was yeah. true. And he was, and he's still exactly right. We're talking about it 20 years later, uh, as right now the show is going to transition to Stone Cold versus Kane in a First Blood match. Yeah, uh, and, <laughs> and, and we're, we're not going to watch that. We're not going to watch that. But just so you know. To go into next week's episode, Kane is going to become the WWF champion here uh, after Mankind. After that, he's going to run out here 15 minutes later and interfere in this match. And Undertaker is also going to come out and interfere in this match. He's going to accidentally hit Stone Cold with a chair, uh, which is going to cause Stone Cold to bleed and cause him to lose the first blood match. Because he
1: revives Earl Hebner with gas, a can of gasoline.
0: Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, hmm. Kane is going to become the second man in his family to become the <laughs> <Yeah>. champion. Actually, <laughs> faster than his brother did. It's true. Uh, in a shorter amount of time, he's going to become champion. And that's going to play a part into next week's episode as we move on to fully loaded 1998 in your house. But, man. What? Uh, yeah, any, uh, any other final words about this Allen
1: uh, match, match yeah well, as, what I alluded to earlier I wanted to say that Vince, Vince allegedly thanked Mick Foley he said thank you for what you did for the business tonight but I don't ever ever want to see anything like that again so as Mick Foley recounts that story I think Pritchard said something about that too so just you know he went above and beyond so did Taker because again Taker was busted up too you could tell right, right. the whole match he's hurting his ankles killing him so you know props to both those guys for getting that thank you for let, um, doing that for us fans you know and uh, we hope you guys enjoyed the watch along it was a little different but we couldn't really add anything new to this match has been dissected you know more than a frog and biology class so you know uh, <laughs> it's just uh, it's just something we tried and let us know if you guys liked it if you were there that night um, in uh, Pittsburgh Pennsylvania at the Fle- uh, Pittsburgh Arena I think it so it's a civic arena um, if you let, let us know if you were there what you guys' memories are about this match, um, and, good and uh, bad. Yeah.
0: You know? <laughs> Lou Jane on Facebook, you, yeah. you mentioned you were at Man- Mayhem in Manchester. Uh, we want to hear about that. Uh, you commented on there. Give us your feedback on that from a couple weeks ago. We want to hear about that. We love hearing from people who were at the shows and, and your memories of just watching this 20 years ago. Uh, we love hearing from it. It's just, it's fun. You know, we're hearing from all our followers out there on Twitter, uh, just, your interaction with us every little bit of it it's cool and you know there's been a few of you I've seen on Twitter you've been tagging us on uh, on other people's posts sharing our posts retweeting us tagging us when people are asking what wrestling podcast they should get into yeah and thank you that means a lot yeah it really really it does, does. Uh, it's, it's just really cool out there for me and Travis uh, for that to be happening so we do appreciate yeah. that we appreciate every single download uh, every single person who's following us on all the social media pages out there—Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram—where you can get all the Talking Taker content, uh, you know. I think our new goal, Travis, our new goal is we got to figure out a way to get the Undertaker to follow us on Instagram. Undertaker's on Instagram now. <laughs> he we is got an official Instagram page. Hey, we got to. We're gonna work on this. We're gonna get. Yeah. We're gonna get The Undertaker to follow the podcast devoted to him. We're, we're gonna figure it out. So. Yeah. If any of you out there can help us out with that, we would appreciate it because uh, you know he needs to he needs to know he needs to know he does him. he needs to know we're talking Taker.
1: Exactly. He sure does. And uh, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing else we can add. It's two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> we love y'all. Uh, thanks for everything, and uh, see you next week. I'm just kidding. Take her easy. Where was it? was it? On the embalming
2: table or something? No, no, no. On the kitchen floor. Oh, no! And, yeah! On the kitchen floor <laughs> of the funeral. Bob floor. Bearer slips the salami to the Undertaker's on mother the, on the kitchen in floor. In the kitchen Come of on. the apartment of the funeral. I swear to God. I swear. It's it's the gospel truth. That's the way it happened. She took me, an innocent 19-year-old boy. That's I lost my virginity right
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> it's true!
2: <laughs> Paul Bearer buries his baloney in the undertaker's mind. You know, <laughs> she on. was a-moaning, and a-groaning, and a-screaming, and I heard some little feet coming down the stairs. Uh, it's a good thing I got up, because it was little taker coming down the stairs. I stopped him <laughs> just in time. If he'd took two more steps, he had have seen his mama's feet. One of them was in New York, and the other one was in L.A. <laughs>